The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... M-M-O-W's Oscar Race Update. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Oscar Race Checkpoint for you this week. Once again, November 8th, 2019, for whatever reason... There has only been one movie in the last 10 years. I don't believe released on. Listen, I'm not going to sit here <laughs> and have you tell me that my good friend Wikipedia would be full of lies. But yes, according to Wikipedia, there's been a single movie released on November 8th since like 2009, and that would be 2013's The Book Thief. So, you know, we're on the six-year anniversary of the release of that. Now I believe you, because The Book Thief... <laughs> It's a bad movie. Okay. And maybe everybody's like, wow, it must be November 8th. <laughs> Gotta avoid that juju. <laughs> maybe there's like the jinx of November 8th. And the every jinx of the book thief. Every 12 years when the moon is full, <laughs> they release a, a movie. And they, they try to go against it, but it's like a cursed day in Hollywood or something. Just Jeffrey Rush howling at the moon instead. <laughs> I yeah. think you and I have been watching too many horror movies. <laughs> This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar. This is your Oscar Race Checkpoint, bringing you everything you need to know, covering the world of award season and Oscar-specific and centric news. We have a full show for you today. Uh, we're going to start off with a review of what was a supposed Oscars contender. This happens sometimes. We did it with Judy. Anytime we get our hands on something that's making some kind of award season noise, uh, we might have to give it a quick review in the uh, start of an ORC episode as opposed to giving it its own Oscar sprint profile. Uh, we did that with Judy, like we said, a couple weeks ago. We're doing it again today. Day with the movie Harriet. Uh, this is something that I know uh, Michael was looking forward to for a long time. A lot of people had very high hopes for it, and it lived up to all our expectations, right, Mike? Well, <laughs> first things first, let me just say that I, we're going to do some general plot movements. I mean, this yeah. is all history. Uh, I'm going to go over stuff that was in the trailer, but I'm not going to be totally spoiler-free, so if you want nothing, yeah. skip ahead a little bit, check our show notes. Definitely do that. Here we go. Look, I mean, Harriet was a major letdown for me. Yep. I, I liken it to 2017's The Post, 2018's Widows. Those are probably my number one letdowns of mm. each of the past two years. I, like Mary Queen of Scots, I remember that was supposed to be a, a an yeah, Oscars it was on the movie. fringes, yeah. Fell off, but then when I actually went to see it. I, lo I liked the experience. I was like, "Wow, this has got some some good." Well, you got two great performances. Yeah, that's you where know. we started, though. Like you, I think your expectations were so high for this. That's why you have a lot of fire for this. I we saw it the same way. It's not a great movie by well, any stretch of the imagination. The whole thing was like once my expectations came back down again mm -hmm. with all the critical reviews that were bad and, and for this movie, for this yes. movie, and for the trailers that just you know hoisted one red flag. Yeah. Hoisted it to the, what do you call that thing on the top of a ship? <laughs> the mast? The mast. Hoisted it to the mast to get it a pirate language going. Hoisted it to starboard there, Michael. The, the red flags. We you knew it. mixing your metaphors I'm here, missing, Captain. I'm mixing my metaphors. Once that happened, I figured at least we're going to get a good performance from yeah. Cynthia Erivo. At least I'm going to like this movie because, you know, I'm going to find some silver linings. Yeah. But then it is just a religious film and i personally have had a lot of baggage yeah. with the christian religion let's just say that i grew up in it i i spent years going to christian schools evangelical christian schools and uh prayer every day having to read the bible back to front i've mm. done it multiple times in my life i almost have a degree in theology with what i was doing in, in college i mean i'm only a couple credits where i could have had uh, some kind of degree in theology could be father michael if we're not before uh, i broke from that we're not I broke from from that. i'm basically yeah. the the cool guy in, in in season two of fleabag cool guy 
the, the, the cool guy that with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Fleabag, yeah. but except w- without Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I gotcha. All right. Harriet comes out here, and I don't see this performance cracking my top ten at the end of I the year. I would be very surprised if at the end of any of this we are talking about Harriet getting any kind of Oscars momentum whatsoever. With one exception. Sure. I think that one exception is the stand-up song, the original song. I was listening to that a couple okay. times today. Okay. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, I'll, she I'll can buy that. really sing. It's the best part of this movie is after the movie's over and this <laughs> and it's playing in the credits. Yeah, this is uh this is it's a great song. And I now, agree. Let me be honest with you. I don't know if this song was playing during the credits because I left in a huff, but I've been listening to it on YouTube ever since. Well, let me tell you how, how my experience with this movie started because mm-hmm. I, it finally happened. I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't expect to have like have it happen with the, the toughest old woman I've ever seen oh, or known in my life because I was taking notes as I do. I got to the movie late. when I, We didn't see this one together. I got right. to the movie late. So I was taking notes on my phone. And I always make sure to dim my phone down to its lowest setting, but I do like to take notes just so I can do these reviews. I, don't I always tell you to sit in the back row and you're like, nah! I, I don't like sitting in the back row. Right. So, nah! <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, I, I will sometimes, if I know I'm around people, before the movie starts, I'll be like, I'm going to use my phone. I don't want to bother you. Is it okay? Yeah, I've done that. Blah, too. blah, blah. Yep. I got there late, so I couldn't give this warning because the movie was already going on. And this woman from over my left shoulder gave me the sternest, shoutiest warning. Could you stop that with the phone? I, like, it scared the shit out of me because I wasn't expecting So right. I should have known from that moment, like, that should have been a sign. Speaking of signs from God and whatnot, that this was going to be not a great experience at the theater for me. So God told you what to do. <laughs> Right. Without the warning, disobeyed. though. Without the warning, yeah. God and the animatronic popcorn they show in the commercial before the movie starts. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Not so much for Harriet, though. Not Pretty overt ways. For Harriet. And, and that's my biggest problem with this performance at the end of the day, because I think the script really crushes her momentum at the one-third point. The, yeah. you, the performance we get from Cynthia Erivo does not change after Act One, yeah. and and that's it's just basically on repeat from that point forward, and it's just a, it's just a bigger and bigger scenario because this is a religious movie, Mike, and there's two major problems with the script. And let me be frank, I've seen religious movies work better than this. Mm-hmm. I've seen faith-based movies work better than this. I mean, you can go back to last year's, uh, two years ago's, 2016's, and Martin Scorsese's movie, Silence. I mean, that is a faith-based movie. Right. And that one works because there's an arc. In this movie, it's a given that she has faith. She prays in the second scene of yep. the film. And then during Act 1, God literally tells her how to escape the slavers, and she escapes the slavers. Now, we know that from the trailers. From history, we know Harriet Tubman received a brain injury early in her life. She claimed to have visions. Yes. So this is not something like that's off the reservation. No. That's that's anti. That's that's like conspiracy theorist or whatever. I'm not going to say that. But when you make a faith based film or when you tell tell a faith based story, you, you know, we've read the Bible. Characters start out Saint Paul yeah. without faith, and then they gain faith. Okay, if you give them the solution, that's not faith. That's force. God is a force of providence in this story literally heavy-handedly uncinematically without dramatization no you are telling the main character what to do you've called this a superpower that's how i took it yeah i've called her an oracle whatever it's it's like 
God isn't answering. God isn't working in mysterious ways in this movie. God is like he's working a in plot obvious device. Ways. Yeah, he's, he's working he's, in obvious. Here's ways. what's coming up, and you need to go left now at this moment. And I disagree with this portrayal. Yeah. I disagree with this I portrayal do. because I well, look. I'm not yeah. a man of faith. Now, if you want to tell me that she had visions and this was her life. I would still say there needs to be character development. There is no character development. There is not. In this movie. Zero. No, there is not. And it gets to the point where it is so repetitive between her and Leslie Odom Jr. Where if I wasn't so disappointed with yeah. how it was going, it would have made me laugh. And now thinking back, I kind of laugh at it because Leslie Odom Jr. as a foil to the character of Harriet does the same thing in like five scenes in a row. And those scenes are spread out. Over the course of the movie. Like, he sticks his foot so far into his mouth. Yeah. Like, if this movie was truly True. on the nose, it would be absurd. Like, and then, somehow, he's, like, unfazed by it. And he completely, completely steps in crap this entire movie with her. And you think he would learn something, but, of course, he's a foil. <laughs> and he's a one-note, non-dimensional foil of a character, so he doesn't. But, basically, he tells her what she shouldn't do. She sh tells him... Don't, don't tell me what I can't do. Don't tell me what Three separate do. times. Then she does it, yeah. and then he's like, oh my God. How did, did you do that? But then yeah. on repeat, the very next scene, yeah. no, you can't do that. And then she's like, yes, don't tell me that I can't do that. And but it's not even like the, the, the escaping and the going through was just, This movie had wicked pacing problems, too. There was like long stretches of boredom, and yep. she goes back and forth from the north to the south so regularly. Yep. Listen, I know there's a... And this is our frustration. There's a heavy story here to tell. I mean, you want to make the definitive Harriet Tubman biopic? We want to see it. This can't be it because this is to me again this is my interpretation but this is a superhero that doesn't have any kind of opposing force that's keeping her in check she's able to go freely back and forth from this i mean there's a scene she's talking to her sister mm -hmm. at the plantation she originally escaped from mm -hmm. not under cover of darkness literally on the corner of the house which is supposed to be in the middle of this giant plantation this giant farmland mm -hmm. talking to her sister who has come out of the house just at that moment to talk to her because harriet's been gone so long and has become this notarized like uh, Moses character that's sure. getting all these f slaves out and she's just standing in this field talking to her sister because there's no one that she's never really in danger at any point in this film if you take away the force of God in this movie you would have to buy the fact that she is the luckiest person in yeah. the world yeah the luckiest which, again, either, maybe she was. I don't think she was. I think she was a hero amongst all heroes. I think she was as courageous as she was capable, as brilliant as she was fearsome. I bet she had to struggle and yeah. fight and scrap I and claw right. and think on her feet. My God. I bet she had to get whip her team of courageous people into such shape, such fighting shape, that, I mean, look, I mean, I, I've studied her story to a degree. I don't want to be a... a of Harriet Tubman historian, but I would bet my life, my life on the fact that she is at a level of bravery that is so well yeah. practiced and so well built up over her career of being brave that th th you can't tell me that sh that God showed her what to do and then she just trusted in God to go back to tell her what to do the next time and tell her what to do in an entirely different way. Yeah, you're saying you think it strips the, the credit went so much to the divinity that it strips her you of all agency. strip this real-life hero yeah. of her agency in the story, number one. God is the hero of this story. It's yeah. not Harriet Tubman. Yeah. 
she doesn't even learn anything. She just says it's a given that she trusts in God. It's a given that she trusts that God will give her the visions on how to make how to succeed. And nothing in her character changes. So that's why Cynthia Erivo's performance is that same note through the rest of the movie. And it's just not a story. And it's not faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Michael, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You can't be told what to do by God in a just coming down from the skies, told what to do, and then have faith. This is a not a story of faith. And that's why I call it a superpower, too, because she's just helped by a higher... She's got something, you know, it's called a deus ex machina. It's know, cause and effect. God, it's but, literally deus ex machina yeah, from the beginning right. of the film through the film. Right. I, I agree. Now... There's other problems attached to it, I, I think, that aren't just plot or script-driven and not just character-driven. I, yeah. I think casting was an issue as well. God bless Joe Alwyn. Alwyn, I couldn't buy him as this character at all. If you're going to have this, like, rough and... He, he, this is might be stereotyping on my part towards him, but, like, he's got too nice of a face to pull off this character that if you're only going to give him the one note to play... Yeah. I mean, if he was going to, like, go by on his wiles and his guile and his, like cunning and deceitful that'd be a different story we, but he's supposed to be like he's supposed to be a, the muscle we, and he's not we've seen him in uh the favorite and he was very dimensional right all exactly like we know he can do it yeah. and this was like a one note and it did, did just didn't work for me i thought for the most part like i like leslie odom jr's i like his portrayal i like that in one scene you know you it's fun to have a tell-off scene in right a movie, sure especially when you have uh, a character that deserves the greatest all-time tell-off scene ever right. in Harriet Tubman. I mean, and especially after you see what Cynthia Revo as Harriet Tubman has to go through. Like, they showed her endurance and her perseverance pretty well. Like, this is a war of attrition. Yes, God helps her, literally, in this movie. But she's got she's worn the hell down during this story. And you get that sense because you're with her in the woods with beautiful cinematography, gorgeous production. Bodies, I could have even used more, to be honest Awesome with camera movement. But... I, I think they get that across. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was a struggle. But again, I mean, to, to me, they made the South look like it was like five rogue white dudes that are just purveying the woods the looking for a couple. Too right. Small. Yeah. I, I didn't. It's. It, made, it was almost a joke. Like you say, it was comical. It almost came off as a joke they're because trying she's to, coming in and out as she pleases yeah. with no resistance. They're trying to build the scale throughout the movie. And that's fine. And th but that doesn't mean. Yeah, but the crescendo is 12 white dudes on a bridge. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> no, the crescendos through the Civil War stuff. at the end, right? yeah, but, right. and what you see in the trailer, you see this entire right. movie in the trailer. I guess we went somewhat spoilers, but you can't gain catharsis without change. You can't gain catharsis without characterization. There's no characterization in this movie. The Harriet Tubman at the end of the first thirty minutes is the Harriet Tubman at the end of the film. It's the same facial expressions and everything. That is not a faith-based story. And there's look a, at Job. Look at Daniel in the yeah, Lion's There's head. a way look, you can do that without. I mean. I know you wanted her to question her faith at some point, too. I think you could even pull this off without her questioning her faith and just having coming across stuff that's challenging to her physically. You know, it's I mean, like they're afraid to have Harriet Tubman struggle in this movie other than because you, you don't want to uh, diminish it. But then you, you idolize her and, they're, and then in, a, in, a, in an attempt not to idolize a person, they idolize a deity and yeah. they give all the glory to God. They give the credit to God. Fine. They're religious people, and they want to do that. It doesn't work in a story, and it doesn't work in the greatest story ever told. That's not the way the Bible tells its story. Yeah, and I'll you tell you. You can learn a lot from Bible stories. I don't even think it works for, like, the the hardest Bible-thumping people. Like, 
God is like an on-demand add-on in this movie. It's you not, know, it's that's not. not yeah, that's not how anything works. This is a hymn. This is a chant. This is singing the same hymnal from beginning to end. And if you want to say "Amen" a hundred times, then this is a movie that can be inspiring. But it doesn't go through trials and tribulations where the characters have to change at all. It's no, not and dramatized. It, and it had so much potential to. I mean, Janelle Monet again. I think it's only a matter of time before she does win an Oscar. I thought she was great in this too. I agree. But you know, you have stuff here. You have you. I hated the pacing too. I, I just you have these long stretches of boredom. Then you like you you jump a couple years in the future mm-hmm. for one scene, and then you jump ten more years in the future. I, I, I disliked that very much. I it, I said to you walking out, if you're gonna do a biopic, it really kind of shines light on what someone like Ron Howard did with a beautiful mind. Yeah. If you're gonna show an entire life's work in a biopic, you gotta be very very concerned with what you're showing picky and choosy makeup and, and, and hair styling it's got to work it's got to fit yeah there's so much that goes into it and the pacing is just going to bog you down if you don't do it I, I was bogged down by it by this one i just didn't care at the end of this now cynthia rebo's got some good scenes in here she's sure. got some moments where you're just you feel that righteous truth being said and you love her for it mm-hmm. and you love the movie for that and that's why i'm still going to come out slightly positive on the on the film as an experience like i'm going to give this a C plus at the end of the day. I love the costumes. I love the music. There's both a great score and it's a rousing score. Yes, I did it, take notice of the score. I thought the like score was great. Old fashioned kind of a score from from Glory or from like those old war movies that I really enjoy. Yeah. And you, you get that going here and it really gets you gets you you know feeling good. Uh, and then that original song, I've been like I said, I've been listening to it all day. I think Cynthia Rebo is going to be on the Oscar stage this year, but it's not going to be for Best Actress. It's going to be for Best Original Song. That's an interesting take. I, I certainly wouldn't be against that. So there's goods delivered by yeah, this movie. There, there's, it really there's, is. You know, it's not. We're not giving it an F. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's a right. professionally done movie. It's polished. It looks all right. The the script, I think. Her, is hurt. I think the script has a lot of holes. I think the pacing has a lot of holes. I think the casting could have used work. I did like Cynthia Erivo. I love Janelle Monae, like I said. Um, We've given the same kind of crap to Superman stories. Like, if you start... Other like superhero Neo, movies. Other superhero <laughs> yeah. movies, Matrix. I mean, I get, I'm taking your point here, because we. if you start out invincible, unstoppable... Right. That's yeah. Then it takes away the agency of the antagonism. The antagonism is no longer. And I don't even mind if you're going to have this as a movie. Like you have the slave movie where the hardship is not not, scary, right? You're not showing the grittiness of the realism. Power the fight. Exactly. I don't mind that, but that shouldn't be the definitive Harriet Tubman biopic. Right. That should be its own kind of fantasy movie, kind of right. I mean. It's a. It, you're right. The way it pl- plays out. Right. That's what I mean. I'm not trying to insult anyone. Certainly, that's not my intent. But this lacked a lot. It lacked a lot, and I worship the devil. So that's. <laughs> I. Uh, you. You were still came out higher on it. I gave it a, a you know 75 C straight C all yeah. day. Let down. I, I think again, you have more anger towards it because you were certainly higher like on it devil, every step of the way. If the devil is a character in this movie, the movie could have worked. <laughs> yeah, I you need. I agree with the that. devil. Yeah. You need the devil. That's so therefore. So just put Harriet in like, the Joker movie, and you'd have Harriet a perfect movie. And the Joker. Now you got a movie. We yeah. killed the Joker yeah. for the same reason. Yeah. There's no hero. There's no heroic force in the film. It was just the opposite. And this movie's the the other end of that spectrum. I actually was thinking about Parasite in this too because I dislike so much of this movie except for like the last 20 minutes it was almost the exact opposite as my general take towards parasite where i like parasite until the last 25 30 minutes so you know just combine this movie with some other ones we've talked about in 2019 you got a fine movie movie. yeah there's good act one in this movie good act one i'm in for act one 
All right, so that's a letdown, and, and we apologize. We don't like to start be so down and start on such a dour note, but it, uh, we need to give it the review. We've got a lot of movies coming up. Hopefully, we'll be higher on those. Right. Uh, I think you probably said it best. Maybe not an Oscars movie outside of song. Probably won't expect to see it come up at an awards season again. Song is so yes, good. Song is so good. I, I think I think it'll be there. Award season news now, yeah. Mike. Right before we hit record, the Cinema Eye Honors set up their nominees, and we did some quickie research. Last year's noms for this best documentary feature, best nonfiction film uh, award show picked four out of the five for best feature documentary at the Oscars. Hale County this morning, this evening, Minding the Gap of Fathers and Sons. All right, well, three out of the five. Did I screw up one? Won't you be my neighbor? Three identical strangers were snubbed. All right, three out of five. Still, three out of five is good. But three identical strangers and won't you be my neighbor should have been should there. Have so been. That, it should have been five out of five, if we're being honest. It should Basically, have been six out of ignore five. Ignore the best documentary feature Oscars category <laughs> and just pay attention to the Cinema Eye honors. Outstanding achievement in nonfiction feature filmmaking. Uh, that, those were the six honors. That's the big category for this award show. Basically, best documentary of the year. Apollo right. 11 and American Factory, as this uh, article from the Rap will highlight, they landed the most nominations for this. They had five each. Uh, we also had... Aquarella, The Cave, For Sama, Homecoming, Honeyland, and Midnight Family. Those each reigned in with three. The big nominees uh, this year as far as the best documentary category for the Cinema Eye Award. Uh, American Factory, Apollo 11, One Child Nation, For Sama, Honeyland, and Midnight Family. So something to keep an eye on and it's nice to see that our early take of Apollo 11 better be there at the end of the day is holding true. Yeah, Apollo 11, American Factory, Honeyland and One Child Nation, they are building resumes. Yes. Bursting onto the scene in this case, you have Four Sama and I think that's telling. And then a movie that I just looked up for the first time, Midnight Family. I yeah, wasn't aware of, we aware of it. No. December 6, 85 Metascore, the pr plot premise reads, in Mexico City's wealthiest neighborhoods, the Ochoa family runs a private ambulance competing with other for-profit EMTs for patients in need of urgent help, Michael. And again, that's another one of these issue-type driven documentaries that we talk about not really holding the day so much. Any, They don't really get the, to the level of winning this category often because what the hell does win this category often when it comes to the Oscars anymore? Uh, and this category has a lot to do to apologize to us personally. To us personally. Right. So hopefully we do have, I mean, the names that keep popping up over and over again, Apollo 11, which is nice to see, Honeyland, One Child Nation, American Factory. Outside of Honeyland, those three, American Factory, One Child Nation, and Apollo 11, I think seem to be shoe-ins right now. Honeyland seems to be making a great case for number four on that list. All that being said, Free Solo last year was pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. I remember we were righteously angry for a month, and they're like, at the end of the day, we're like, I like Free Solo. Yeah, yeah, but for the love of God, I mean, she, you can nominate Won't You Be My Neighbor this year and just say it was the movie that just Meryl Heller's making just instead. Do it. Yeah, and just add it in and pe make people like Give us happy. Give an honorary Oscar. Isn't that what's important is that we're happy at the end of the day? We right? cover it year-round, people. <laughs> we, sh we should be happy. No, of course not. We, we thrive on our discontent in many cases. And Hey, speaking of discontent. Speaking of it. Martin Scorsese, maybe you heard of him, he took to the New York mm -hmm. Times this mm -hmm. week and he decided, hey, listen, I know I offended you all with saying that Marvel movies are theme park attractions. Mm -hmm. Let me explain myself to offend you further. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get into the nitty gritty of why your movies <laughs> suck so bad and why you're a bunch of dumb sheep for going to see them. Look, 
I don't, I, 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 we're kidding. Right, we're joking. I don't think what he said, and if you're a fan of cinema, I don't think you can think of what he said, is incorrect. He basically made the case of, we need more original properties, we need more big money driven into auteur-driven cinema, and there should be, you know, the there's this idea that if you fund it, they will come, right? No. This idea that if you put money into original properties, there's going to be moviegoers, there's going to be people who value the theatrical experience that want to see that. Okay. In the history of the box office, I have a great site called filmsite.org slash boxoffice2.html. You can look up the top films, the top 10 films mm -hmm. of each decade. You can basically pick out, and, you, and, they, and they list like the top 35. You can pick out one or two, sometimes three mm -hmm. original properties right. in those top tens going all the way back to the 1930s. Going year by year. Year by year. So this is a pie-in-the-sky nice idea. I wish Mr. Scorsese was correct. I, I would love for him to be absolutely on the money and say that if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was made ten times a year by ten great auteurs, Everybody would that would wind up being our top ten, right? And we would get unique stories, and we can love our books that we read, and we can love our plays that we go see, and we can love our television series, and we can love all those things in each equal measure. But Mike, the the obvious fact is that films, feature films, have been and the most popular feature films have been adaptations. They've been adaptations, yes. by and large, like Dark Phoenix, since the beginning of the film industry. Yes. I'm not listening to Dark Phoenix. I blocked out. <laughs> no, you're not comments. wrong. And I don't think that fact is lost on Mr. Scorsese, frankly. I think, as I've thought all along with this, that this is a ploy by him. And I think this is the new age of Oscars campaigning. Right, that because getting. he didn't say, and he's walking it back by not really walking it back, but he's still walking it back. This letter has nothing to do with you, me, anyone that, like, if we don't run a major studio, we shouldn't, this letter doesn't concern us. If he That's just, how I feel. If he just stuck to his guns and talked about theme park films and the theme park of of films, you could really get on the source material. Like, the source material that is popular nowadays for movies, the number one source material is comic books. Then you have yeah. YA fiction. You don't have the literary masterpieces like Ben-Hur and right. Little Women. Like, that's... And Gone with the Wind. It, 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 those used to make good movies. The Wizard of Oz. Those yeah. are all novels. Those are all hit novels before they were hit movies. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic well, it, point. And it's, I, I, it's a different group of source materials, what I'm saying. That is popular to the masses. Yeah. And, again... I think he knows that. My original take on this was if he cared and truly wanted to affect change with this speech, if this wasn't anything more than let me make sure I'm in the headlines a couple weeks before the Irishman debuts right. so I can be in the headlines for even Which longer. Which is an adaptation, by the way. By the way <laughs> so if he truly cared about this, I think this letter would have been addressed to the major studio heads. He would have posted on social media somewhere that he's sending out certified copies to all the major studio heads. <laughs> like, are we being conditioned as moviegoers to crave and only want these $100 million blockbusters of these comic books? Of course we are, because that's all that we're being offered. But that's my point. Like, we can't greenlight these decisions. Are we responsible for making sure that a certain amount of money by every studio goes into original properties? Yeah, to an extent, I would argue absolutely we are. But the majority of that decision certainly lays at the feet of the people in the boardrooms that greenlight and decide budgets for these pictures. It's a little more of a chicken and the egg argument, though, I would say, at the end of the I don't think you're wrong. But here's the thing. It's not something that hasn't been coming since the beginning of time, a memoriam. And it's not something all that new, in my opinion. I think 
theme parkization Ryan L. Terry, help me. I can't say that word. <laughs> what is the correct term from your book? I guess we'll have to read your book. We'll call it, yay! <laughs> That'll be our word for it. I would rather make that argument about, about and I'd rather have that discussion during this Oscar season, and at least get it over and done with, than now all this backtracking, and now he's talking about auteurs, and, and I wish it was the, like the good old days in the auteurs. Well, I think what he really wants to say is that streaming's ruining <laughs> the movie-going experience, but he can't. He's making a streaming movie. Exactly. That's the why most he can't. Popular exactly. streaming movie ever. Exactly. He makes He's a point in the letter to, to say transform yeah. the streaming yeah. business to conquer the movie industry. Right. I think, and he's he makes the point in the letter of saying Netflix is the only studio that stepped up, so we can do this appropriately. And so, yes, I know streaming. I know the the industry is changing. I know streaming is the wave of the future. If, if Martin Scorsese isn't making a Netflix movie, I don't think those sentences are in this letter. Right. Uh, I think that's his way of kind of apologizing to them. But I also, I'm convinced this is nothing more than a ploy to keep his name in the headlines because he knows, of course, a, a majority of the highest, most popular properties in film are always adaptations. And you don't even see him make that delineation between original no. source and really adaptation. Like, does Little Women, does what Greta Gerwig's coming out with later this year, does that fall under theme parkization no, movies? No, it doesn't, of course not. So, like, I, I think he knows, I think this is him keeping it's his him name in the headline. backtracking without backtracking. It's strange. Right. I think it's the wrong... He's he's not doing anything. He's not effectuating change. He's not addressing this to the right audience. I think this is him keeping his name... We're all talking about this like it matters. Right. And he's just... Yeah, all right. I'm Martin Scorsese. I'm still in the headlines in The Irishman. Make sure you don't miss it on Netflix it, coming up next week. If you were growing up in the 1950s, you know, you grew up reading Bible stories. You grew up reading, uh, you know, literary classics. Literary classics were not classics then, or some of them were. But you, that's what you grew up. Like, Frankenstein was sexy back then. That was a sexy story. <laughs> And now, Way comic. We've then. grown up on comic books, and we've grown up on TV shows. This is going to push. Well, that's a whole paradigm where, shift, right? Yeah. You know, kids have grown up on TV. Now we're making properties off of television properties. That's that's the argument you were making the first time we talked about this. When you were saying, you're going to get more of that. Yeah. The genre films he made are genre films today. They're just under yeah. superhero titles. And yeah. the Lord of the Rings is one of the highest selling novels of all time. Right. And for the Lord of the Rings to be something that's called like a theme park movie put in that bucket you know i don't know if that's true i think i think there's as much characterization and sophisticated plot development character development in something like the lord of the rings the dark knight uh something like avengers endgame as there is in something like titanic all the way to uh sound of music that's like an old school adaptation that people prized as uh, better cinema than theme park cinema. Like, what's the difference, in my opinion? Like, Titanic, you're all going crazy for Leo. That movie has as many set pieces as anything else. Mm -hmm. All right, you ratchet up the, the fancy schmancy uh, production values. But, it, you know, Black Panther's production values are just as detail-oriented. It's just in a fantasy world instead of real-life historical fiction. Yeah, I mean, it's just the paradigm shift. It's just the new wave of that. I, again, I until I am convinced otherwise, I think this is exactly what he wants from this. I, this is his only goal, is this kind of communication and right. talking about it and keeping his name out there. I'm not saying Black Panther and Endgame are the same movie as Titanic. I'm just saying they're on the same tiers of sophistication. Right. I don't think that the those movies are much more... Uh, those are better movies than these movies. I don't think so. I don't think so either. And, and, and by the way, can we stop the vitriol, too? Like, everyone can have their opinion. 
It's, it's fine. fine. We're just going to argue with you. Right. I mean, that in communication is what it is. We I'm no think... longer cowering either. I'm no longer walking backwards and cowering because these comments piss me off. I'll be frank. These comments piss me off because he knows it's bullshit since the beginning of time. It's a marketing ploy, Mike. I know. It makes me mad. <laughs> he wants what you're saying right now. That's all he cares about. That's his goal. That is the Scorsese endgame. There should be a poster for it with you in the fucking Iron Man role. <laughs> well, he, might, he might not get it, but he'll we're at least he'll have his fist raised. We're talking about his moves on the checkerboard, and he's, he's in the middle of a chess match with us. He is screaming at a tidal wave falling on his head. <laughs> and guess who started the? Th- guess who helped the tidal wave? Who yeah, summoned yeah, the tidal right, wave right. like Moses? You're right. He summoned it by by be, being the biggest part of it. Is this a feeling of guilt? No, it's a feeling of marketing. But he, <laughs> he knows be, what he's doing. He should also feel a little guilty because the movie industry is changing towards streaming. And is he guilty about that is what I'm saying. Is he guilty about something else? I don't think he... I genuinely don't think he cares. He doesn't care. I think if you were to strap him to a, tr- a lie detector test, I, I don't think he would register. I'm getting him confused with Steven Spielberg who screamed <laughs> about the cinematic experience. But we have to move on. Yes. Best international film adds global access to their streaming platform. This is a nuanced story. More than meets the eye. Mike, can you explain Yeah, that? there was a lot of stuff. This is an article from IndieWire uh, earlier this week. This is a loaded article because they kind of just glosses over a lot of first-time changes with regard to the Academy's course of business. So here's an attempt at a breakdown for them and some first-time things happening with the Academy. They have an app that's going to be called Academy Screening Room. That's going to be an app on Apple TV for members only where they can stream documentaries, animated features, and shorts already. Narrative features are going to be added, and I would kill to have access to that app. This is important. Because there's, you have easier access to all these nominated films, to all these shortlists, you're going to get to that point. And now you won't get Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405 because we all have to travel <laughs> the theory, 405 right. every day. Now, that could have been great, but right. you picked that. That was like a 1 to 20 underdog. Yeah, to it, was a, it was a joke. Yeah, it's it's and it's, it's Kobe Bryant you could say the Kobe same thing. Kobe Bryant wins. You know? Right. We all love Kobe Bryant. That's why he exactly. wins. And he was by far the fourth or fifth best right. nominee. By far. Right. And by anybody. I know art is subjective. There's no way you could tell me. The idea, the idea being the Academy members aren't actually seeing these things if they're left to their own devices, having to go out and watch them for themselves. Correct. So they would have just voted for what is familiar to them on the ballot. They, the 405 freeway, wanting to shake hands with Kobe Bryant. Right. They 100% didn't watch the rest of the nominees. 100%. No question. So this makes it more readily available for them. The international feature category, those are not on the app yet. And the primary reason for that is because of the record. We've talked about this before. The record-breaking 93 submissions for the category this year. Uh-oh. A lot of them. Yeah, it's going to be 92 now. We have that story coming up next. A lot of them don't have U.S. distributors. So they're going to try to get those on the app. But the voting to get to the shortlist. So here's a, a big change. In other words... Getting the submission pile of this category, the international feature category, from 93 down to 10 remains the same, and it's privy only to a selection of Academy members. But the change is, once you get that 10, that shortlist of 10, mm-hmm. which is up from a shortlist of 9, how it's previously been in other years, that shortlist of 10 nominees, potential nominees, I should say, for the international feature category is now going to be available for everyone on the streaming service. Right. So, And everyone's going to be able to vote for it on top of that. So it's going to be an Academy-wide pick to get that shortlist from 10 down to the 5 nominees for the international feature this category. This is hugely important. And we saw how international films broke through in other categories last yes. year that we never expected. And it, was, it wasn't just Roma. It was Never Look Away. Yep. It was Powell Polakowski's mm-hmm. uh, Cold War just really breaking through. Last second, late breaking, yep. surprised the heck out of us. Yes. 
we could get more of that this year, potentially. Why not? Because everybody's going to get the chance to see. And, I'm, and this is not just Parasite's the obvious movie, but everybody's going to get to see Monos and its cinematography because it's going to be on the app if it's in the shortlist. Whatever makes that shortlist is going to get seen by more Academy members. I'll go even more narrow than that, too, and I'll say how many people would just vote for Parasite without bothering to see these movies based on word of mouth alone? You know what I mean? In previous years, if they weren't so available. Now we actually get a chance to have, like, I mean, my personal feelings for the film aside, Parasite has been such a runaway favorite in this category. Now we get a chance to actually maybe get an upset because the whole body's going to be voting for to get those five in there. They're True. going to think that most people have seen them at least. I, I like it. I, th- I think it's a great move by the Academy. I think I think it's fun. I, I, it's going to make the, the night cr- uh, more unpredictable. Didn't we say this in our How to Fix the Oscars oh, yeah. episode? We need yeah. to make the Oscars more unpredictable. The more it goes chalk, the t- the tougher it is to get those ratings that you want. Mm-hmm. You need unpredictable, uh, unscripted things to happen. And the best way to do that is to have surprises on the podium. And make sure everyone can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% co-sign. The only thing that keeps gnawing at me about this <laughs> is the Academy is just saying the theater-going experience doesn't work, or isn't necessary, at least. You yeah, can't feel otherwise But you always this. were sending screeners out there, and they're going you're to... You're right, you're right. With these articles that are put out there, we get paragraphs, more than one, about all of the Academy screenings that they're still going to have. You're absolutely right. So your objection is just been screamed out there by the rest of the Academy, by all the Spielbergs out there. So they're in these Hollywood Reporter arc- articles from Scott Feinberg, etc. And here's my counter to that. Okay. If it mattered that much, they wouldn't vote for Kobe Bryant and Heaven is a Freeway on the 405. <laughs> I'm sorry. They would, I mean, they would go to see them. So that's it's just something to keep in the background of your mind. It's going to be a never-ending battle as the streaming wars kick up in earnest in the next two weeks with the introduction of Disney+. Plus. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that. We'll have more on this story for International Feature and the Academy streaming app as it comes about. But we're both in favor. This seems like a step in the positive direction. We hinted at the next story here. We said there were not 93 potential international feature film nominees. The pool of 93 films is actually a pool of 92 films because Nigeria's Lionheart was disqualified by the Academy this week. It has most of its dialogue in the English language. We got some great quotes from the director and also the producer, Ava DuVernay. She slammed the decision in a tweet. This is on the Hollywood Reporter article there uh, saying, quote, to the Academy, you disqualified Nigeria's first ever submission for Best International feature because it's in English. But English is the official language of Nigeria. Are you barring this country from ever competing for an Oscar in its official language? She just pwned the entire academy in 280 characters. Is there anything she said that's incorrect? I love it. I, it's, boom. A to B to C. Great argument right there. What I mean, look, never mind the barrier to entry that some of these filmmakers face just because of their countries and their governments right. as is. Once they actually get to this point, you're going to disqualify them because they are using their native language. So, now, the Academy has rules. We know the, the best international feature film category, which used to be called the best foreign language mm-hmm. film, best achievement in a foreign language film. Sure. Whatever. We should know this. We're Oscar pundits, but we don't. It's anyway, doesn't matter. It's it's Who long, reads history. We we don't care, <laughs> Mike. There are rules. Yes, and those rules were based on the fact that different language equals international film. Now, they're trying to change those rules based on the change of the name of the category. It's obvious. 
This should, pre- I mean, common sense should pre- prevail here. Well, you, how many times have we said that about a body like the NCAA too? It they, doesn't with these big they bodies. They have governors. They have all they all the checks and balances. You're right. That you're absolutely right. Here. They this had, should be a no brainer. They had a special assembly where they're trying to make this decision. This should be a no brainer whatsoever. But on the other hand, I get what they're afraid of or they're phobic about. What it, they're afraid of is that basically American films yes. that somehow fall into a loophole with America with English speaking American actors can wind up in this category and they can see rampant category fraud in the future of this where whatever Sony or whatever they put out yeah. something and they're trying to get the good liar let's say the good liar if it's not an Oscars movie but it was made it somehow comes into this category and, and, and we Great just, Britain can claim credit yeah, for we it we just can't that have can these major here. studios stealing Oscars uh, what channel are they on again and who owns it? No. But here's the thing. We're not paid by anybody yet, so we, I get, we can say whatever we want. For but the thing, I, I get what they're worried about. However, this should be a common sense issue, and they should co- go by the, quote, spirit of the rule. Yeah, my, my take on that would be then do it on a case-by-case basis, because mm-hmm. you should be able to tell that. It's going to be fairly obvious, I would think. I mean, yeah, you're going to have a couple that maybe create controversy. Guess what? That's a good thing for the Oscars, because it gets people talking. Martin Scorsese just proved that for the last 15 minutes of this show. So I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily anyway. My other thought on this is that if that rule says they have to be a primarily non-English speaking film, that had to have been written when like the rise of European cinema was happening. And now we have just so many other countries involved that have kind of become modernized and have this chance to enter this awards race that they never otherwise would have. This category is supposed to celebrate films made outside of the U.S. Right. It's supposed to help American moviegoers want to love international films. And I will be honest with you, growing up, I would watch more international films that were nominated for Golden Globes and Oscars then I would watch international films that were not nominated for Golden Globes and Oscars because I loved these award shows. Yeah. And I loved uh, watching, quote unquote, the rest of the best, or the best of the rest cinema around the world. And I think it really does a lot to expose the rest of the world to your pictures. So, of course, they're going to be pissed off in Nigeria this year and it's their so. first ever yeah, it's exactly. their first ever nominee or selection for the for the category i mean they imagine have working so hard working your entire life to get to that point and then imagine just being, the, yeah. the party they just had when they were selected yep. to the 93 and now they you know uh the academy where dreams go to die oh no <laughs> let's talk about uh some oscar trailers that debuted for us this week we had our first extended look i would say i don't know if this is our first trailer or second trailer but it's our first full trailer yeah first full trailer about uh the banker this is anthony mackie and samuel L. jackson with uh nicholas holt and we got a fun trailer here this felt like to me countless oscar nominees yeah. in the past right i mean do, if you go back to the 80s and 90s a movie which story plays like this that it's timely that it's that it's an issue movie but it's also just fun from start to finish and we're giving you your vegetables but we're frying them in tempura <laughs> as well or something that i love to eat that i really i'm getting hungry now right close to dinner like this is tempura vegetables it's delicious I, I want to see this movie now. If it, you put this movie in front of me, I would just skip to go see it. It looks 
awesome. <laughs> it looks good. It looks awesome. And yeah, you're. I mean, the music, the comedy that we're being shown, uh, the premise is is a very unique one. It's about these two African American men who basically want to own the, and run their own bank, but know they cannot get the loans to do so to start. Right. So they manipulate Nicholas Holt as like their figurehead that's going to position and, and play the bank owner yes. and the guy that's actually going. You're right. Timely issue movie. Funny. Good music. We've heard Apple TV Plus having like some issues with television shows. The the morning show not getting the greatest reviews. <laughs> the Jason Momoa show not getting the greatest reviews out of the box. It's nice to know that they seem to not have a problem getting interest in their movies right out of the gate. This certainly, I echo this your sentiments. Good. This is something I would love to see right away. Eh, I'm going to want to watch it on Apple Plus. I'm going to have to buy Apple Plus now because of this. <laughs> Damn it. Because of the banker. Because of the banker. Yeah. I'm going to want to. I'm going to at least, if they got a trial, I'm going to have to do the trial just so I can see the banker. I yes. Guess. I love this trailer. Next movie, Mike, we have The Two Popes, and this is the second trailer we've reviewed now. I'm still waiting to see those performance scenes from Hopkins and Price that are quote-unquote Oscar real. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some great cinematography, though. I mean, we we added to what we had in the last trailer. Like, we didn't we, get anyone talking in the first trailer of this. We, you know, this one, we're having full-blown pieces of conversations okay. at least, that the characters are, are sharing here. But, like, the last trailer, we got all the famous landmarks, right? We yes. got famous landmarks, and we got a little bit of fun montage going on. This trailer, not only do we get the famous landmarks and beautiful gardens, my God, the landscaping, (laughs) but we get all those shots in the fog, and then somehow, somehow, and and you know what, I should have known better, because Morales has done this before really well with the constant gardener, etc., etc. When he does, like, the the real news footage, and he puts it in your movie, he makes sure that it's an establishing shot that's not just to show you, all right, this is news. No, it is something that only like a news outlet with a helicopter can get. He gets the actual footage of the yeah. actual crowd at the Vatican, and it's a mind-blowing image. Yeah, yeah. He, there are a couple stunning images Loved in it. this. And I, I'm very excited to see this. As I'm a news junkie, I watch it every night to my uh, detrimental insanity. <laughs> yeah, you do. But uh, this story about it. fascinating. You tweet about it. <laughs> I just hate it all. This story did fascinate me, though, in real time when it happened. So it's always, this movie in particular has been high on my list. There's a lot of potential with it, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of potential back pitfalls and backlash that I could see falling out of it. While you were totally captivated with this story in real life, I was watching The Da Vinci Code <laughs> and Angels and Demons and th- those movies. So I did not follow this at all. I, I'm completely riveted. I can't wait to see this movie. And I think the best especially after the Harriet stuff where I'm upset about the script. The best criticism I've heard is that this is a great script from Anthony McCarthy. Good, and good. I, and it's all a shoo-in for best adapted screenplay. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. My God, does Jonathan Price look like Pope Francis in this? Oh, my goodness. Benedict was also mostly known as like a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested if we're going to get just a full heel Anthony Hopkins or if, he's, or if we're going to see like a behind the... Apple robe type deal here. Where but this whole man. trailer, like the the theme of his character in these whole in both of these trailers is like, well, everybody hates me, but they probably should. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> wrong. You know, <laughs> I mean, the guy was a Hitler youth. Uh, uh, so <laughs> I don't know the story. I don't know yeah. the characters. 
Again, the real people, but which I call characters because I just watch too many movies and I don't have any sense of reality. So you, you I learn about the real news when it's when it's on the movie. Give it to me in a movie. We have a whole spiel in our Joker review about that. I don't think you're alone there. I I think there are some potential backlash of this, and it's a couple ways, and it's one that keeps gnawing at me, and one that's pretty obvious. The obvious one, the Catholic Church is not held in very high regard by people who aren't practicing Christians. Right. Right? So that could be way a little heavy on some people's minds. For good reasons. Right. Exactly. Uh, the other one that keeps gnawing at me, this trailer only confirmed that this is going to be kind of the two popes, one stepping down, the other one stepping in or being voted in. Um, they're going to kind of talk about the ills of the world and how they see can be fixed. Mm-hmm. This is a very delicate time in American history to praise two elderly, white, Christian men as to how they think future generations can best act to run the world. There's potential for pitfalls there. There are pitfalls. Right. I'm not saying, you know, it could pull it off with no problem. It could be a wonderfully cinematic experience. It's just something that I've kept in the back of my head. Now, I don't expect that to come to the forefront. I expect it to be an awesome movie. If they made a dry, typical Oscar movie for that, right? Then, all right, probably not into that. But apparently they did something totally unique. I mean, this is as funny as it is. And it looks nice. I mean, it really looks it good. Really, and the production design is off the charts. You brought that up on the first trailer. We were I was it. least excited for the two popes when we yeah. did our Netflix Oscars push episode over the summer where we basically, you know, did profiles of it, of their entire slate. And we were like, wow, this mm. deserves its own episode. Let's do it. You guys all love that episode. And this movie was like fourth or fifth or sixth place, especially when it came to crunch yeah. time for me. And now I can't wait for the two popes. And like that's I like I want to see the two popes as much as I want to see Marriage Story. And part of that it. is for Jonathan Price. I mean, the hype around Jonathan Price right. certainly. And it, let me tell you something: if Jonathan Price lives up to his billing and is a Best Actor candidate, that's four slots that are spoken for in that category. The category that's that leaves like sixteen names fighting over one open slot. <laughs> It's like Unless a, Leo doesn't make it, in which case, I'm not watching the Oscars. It's a zipper that's almost pulled up to the top. Like, there's a belly there, and there's a zipper. It's almost there. You, you gotta lose some weight. But, but Be a, less blunt. My metaphors suck today. Anyway, Talk about Citizen K. Citizen K. Another film, when I read the premise, I was just gonna be like, oh, I don't want to see this. I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't be dragged to the theater to see this. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. The Snowden movies and documentaries are the most boring works of nonfiction and fiction I've ever seen in my life. Hard disagree about the documentary, but I get your point. The documentary is a snore. I Hard disagree. But I <laughs> hated that okay. with the fury of a thousand sons. I was so bored. I, I probably try. I, I wanted to shut that thing off a hundred times. Now, this movie, I'm spellbound. This trailer, Citizen K, where you have Putin's rival, and you go through his like Mandela-like, you know, uh, incarceration and all that backstory, and you're basically given like the Act One montage we're probably gonna get in the film for this character whose name I can't pronounce, but I'm really, you know, proud of knowing about and being aware of. Now, I have to see this movie. I have to learn about this. I'm not going to sit here and have this kind of evil <laughs> propaganda try to tell me that Russia is a bad actor. All right? My <laughs> presidential administration has shown me better. Remember that thing I said about the news every night? Right. Yeah, right. You're watching the news. So uh, I'm intrigued by the drama. Uh, that's the potential drama in this story. But l- let's be honest. I mean, this guy was going to be one of the final oligarchs. So I know nothing about 
the real story and the re- what's really going on. He looks like a character that's going to be have a ton of shades of gray. Look, Alex Gibney, who's the director of this documentary, Good. he does not paint in shades of gray often. He paints in shades of exposure and look how awful and evil this corporation or this actor is. Right. Uh, he's done this with Elizabeth Holmes in the HBO documentary Blood in the Valley that I, I raved about. Uh, the tree. He's done this with the Church of Scientology in that HBO documentary. He's done this with Enron executives. Uh, Smartest Guys in the Room was his documentary. So he's had his share of moments of exposing bad people and shining a light on some deceitful practices they do. Okay. And so they're of, hit pieces, but they're well done hit pieces. I, that's what. Yes, that's what I would say. And I don't think they're not. They're not unworthy hit piece. I mean, fuck Enron, for the love of God. So I'm reading between the lines when I hear oligarchy, and this guy was part of the oligarchy, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. But he's the hero of this story. I feel like this is going to be anti-Putin everything. Right. And I feel like Citizen K is probably going to be held up as the Mandela comparison you made probably sounds accurate. Uh, Now, again, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot of Americans could be wise to learn about just how not savory a Vladimir Putin administration right. can be. But it's a hit piece at the end of the day, most likely. What's a hit piece, Mike? You know, like, like are hit pieces wholly fabricated? Then no, he doesn't fabricate anything, but he makes sure to show you Yeah, but if it's a bad vi- shit. If it's a vicious one-dimensional, you know... Well, you watched the Scientology one, right? And you watched right. the Elizabeth Holm ones. Do you think those were one-dimensional? Towards... The leaders of Scientology, yes. So towards I would Holmes, agree. I would say less so. Okay. Much less so. I thought, like, I mean, she obviously has ulterior motives that everybody's claiming in that documentary. Mm-hmm. She's full of shit. Yes. <laughs> but. Like, Allegedly. You know, Gibney also shows, like, the good intentions behind it. Like, why wouldn't you want these advances in medical science? Like, those are all good things to want. Like, her heart's in the right place for kind of wanting. Okay. And yeah. he does, and he goes above and beyond to show her complete story because she did kind of cooperate with the doc. She gets her story out there, so fair point. Fair it's point. It's not the same for Scientology. Like the leaders of Scientology don't get a voice in that documentary. That one best documentary, right? And and I guess like my my uh, maxim is that hit piece, quote unquote, doesn't necessarily mean bad. Or like just straight propaganda because if you're hitting the right villains, you know you're okay. Exactly, with it. exactly. So it's still hit we'll I agree. I don't. I. I am not disagreeing with you. I know it's biased. It comes from a place. He's coming from a decision, a conclusion. So I understand that. But it's going to be very interesting to see him do that with this Vladimir Putin character. I never thought I would be in for this documentary. I'm totally in for it. Citizen K. Final trailer, Mike. We had the teaser for Soul. Speaking. Of original content, by the way. Pixar is releasing Soul on June 19th, 2020. It is the first of two uh, original concepts. And it's not an auteur behind this because mm-hmm. this is the definition of teamwork. This is the definition of a corporate structure with hundreds of artists com- combining to. We, we went over Take this. Take our word for it. 30 episode <laughs> arc of the, uh, you know, the films of Pixar there. Listen to that playlist. But this is from the makers of Inside Out, Up, and Coco. It's getting a, a really good release day. And this trailer was something else that kind of blew me away. I mean, the realism in the animation, that cityscape over the water. Are you kidding? I mean, 
Pixar is going to have a whole second life once we get down to this deep fake stuff where we're putting face, yeah. uh, faces of celebrities on regular people. And they're that's going they're going to dominate that era because you're absolutely. Right. I mean, this looks stunning. And I had to look twice to think that it wasn't real people walking down a real sidewalk at the, the beginning of the trailer. The streets, the the barber shop scene, the uh, liter- literally the interiors walking in and out of the houses. I mean, it looks like Ratatouille level real. How does Pete Doctor dream? <laughs> what does he dream in? In pixels, <laughs> he must. He's right. He's credited as a writer and director on this movie, uh, or at least a co for both of those. It's Pixar. It's going to be great. It's going to contend for the animated feature category. And here's the thing: like this movie and this premise is made for you and me. It's not made for kids. A, like, mu- a musician who has lost his passion for music is transported for- out of his body and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. for the parents of the kids who fear death because they should fear death more than the kids. It is this guy who did not accomplish in his life what he hoped to and is living in regret and all he wants to have is his music. Of all. Falling down. The trailers. That I thought you, and dying. could have been Pandora's box for your introspection. <laughs> I can't believe the balls of this story and of this original story that we're going to get as a just massive, you know, uh, studio push. I can't believe it. Yeah. It, it's look, great. Disney, they're not going to stop making billions of dollars yearly anytime soon. We thought 2019 was a loaded year for them. They got Arnold's Foul. They got a couple Pixar right. movies. They got all kinds of stuff coming up in 2020. The machine don't stop. Never mind the Marvel stuff. Never mind any kind of Star Wars stuff on top of it. Now, in this trailer, you see the protagonist die. And he's reborn as a ghost in this ridiculous afterlife. And it's, Do you think it, he died? You think he died? He's done. You think that was what that was? Dead. Okay. Stone dead. He's a I'll ghost. I'll take your word for it. I, 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 I don't I know. I, 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 my guess is yes, he's done. They're telling us in the very first trailer. And then it's kind of an awkward transition to the other ghost who's like, all right, we're ghosts in purgatory now. And here's my awkward, goofy cowboy dance. Voiced by Tina Fey. Perfect. That's for the kids. Yeah. So, so it's like for the for the dad, and then it's it's for the mom, and then it's for the kids. Um, more excited to see this, or more excited to see Frozen Two? Oh, I'm I'm more curious to see this, sir. I think Frozen Two. I know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be happy for two hours. No, no doubt. What if Olaf just goes into a blind murderous rage? <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> I'm in stab. <laughs> we should have put that in like you know the scaries best kids movie horror movie. Well, we did. You had one of those the best child's movie adaptation that for should a be a horror movie, movie yeah. that could work better yeah. as a horror movie. I don't remember our our uh, categories, Mike. I don't remember anything. We, we do a lot of content. We talk here. so much. Wait, and today I, I didn't think we'd do talk this much today. <laughs> All right, that is your Oscar race checkpoint for this week. Uh, I guess no movies coming out on the eighth today, so we. Continue that trend. No movies having their debut November eighth. That's sad. I that can't be right. There's no way. I mean, uh, we're gonna start bookending <laughs> your inane entries to our episodes at the end of our episodes now. The level of disgust you have at the end of the episodes towards me is just starting to seep its way out every time we're recording. Not hiding it anymore. No, I mean. <laughs> We could. We could do whatever you want. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, obviously, as always, want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, input of any kind, anything we covered in this episode. Do you disagree with us about Harriet? About You probably disagree with us about a lot of things here. So yeah. 
a very opinionated at episode. Us. No, seriously, at us, this was this was one of our most opinionated episodes. Ever. And genuinely, whether you agree, disagree, whatever, just want to offer up some other ancillary information, we always appreciate when you do. We want you to do that, whether anything in this episode, yep. anything else we do here in the MMO Empire, you can leave us those. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. At MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. If you use an iPhone, happen to use Apple Podcasts or use iTunes. If you go into the podcast app, that little purple square with the white soul sticking out of the middle of it. You can tap on that. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search bar and submit. You'll see the opportunity to tap on our logo. We are currently dressed as Mr. and Mrs. Claus. Uh, if you would do that, scroll down once after da- tapping on our logo. You'll see the opportunity to leave us five stars. If you can do that, it would really uh, help us out a lot. And we appreciate all those who have. It literally takes a quarter of the time to do that and make our day do something good and feel good about yourself than it did for me to describe that sad, sad dialogue that I just got finished with here. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> what is coming next from MMO, and what are some words of wisdom to so end Mike, on? So, Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, we're going to review a bunch of movies, Peanut Butter Falcon, Angry Birds 2, a bunch more beyond that, and I think Dr. Sleep's going to be involved there, which is going to be cool. And Scream! And Scream, you've rewatched Scream again? You didn't get the thing I texted you yesterday? Yeah, but that meant you rewatched the whole series again, again? Because you rewatched it for last week. All I'm saying is when I say things about Hollywood properties, right. they come true. Right. But Am I the god of Hollywood? Yes. Will I let this power go to my head? You're right. There's a yes. big <laughs> story on screen, and uh, we're going to talk about it in MMO Weekly. We need to get away from each other for a couple of days, folks. But we have Ford versus Ferrari at the end of next week. Looking forward to that. We have an Oscar race checkpoint at the middle of the week, and we're going to have some Oscar news, the makeup and hairstyling category. I believe the costume categories, they're going to have this, some short lists for us. So we're going to actually have some news to report midweek there. So that's exciting. If Ruthie Carter doesn't get mentioned, we riot. We do. We yeah. riot. We burn it all down. She's awesome. We do. I uh, love her work in Dolomite Is My Name so much. I'll say the same about Leo's chances for Hollywood. He's not getting talked about nearly enough for my liking. I'm getting scared. We're starting to get belligerent about our Oscar opinions, folks. <laughs> it's getting that time of the year. We don't pride ourselves on anything other than being right all the time. Uh, as always, guys, words of wisdom? Good, sir? Do you have any? I, we're starting to get belligerent <laughs> about our Oscar opinions, folks. I think that's why. It's fair, okay. fair. We're, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but that's what's happening. <laughs> oh, if we said it, it's right. Guys, as always, we want to hear from you. Like we said, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Uh, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies and hopefully laugh along with us. We will check you out in a couple days. See you.